This is Jade. This is Carly. And this is Mommy's Tell All. Hey, Jade. Hey, Carly. Jade, you were gone and now you're back. I know. I feel so weird that I missed out on the last week's episode, but I heard you guys had a great time. It was it was very interesting. I love Evan, so I'm I need to go back and listen, but I want to hear what you guys talked about. Yeah, I mean, Evan Evan was so open to talking about all the things and it was eye-opening. You know, I mean, there's lots I didn't know about the penis that now I know. And about erectile dysfunction and men's health and you know, we talk so much about women's health. It's like I don't know. I feel like it could have made people uncomfortable, but I also feel like that's okay. It's good to get uncomfortable though, I think. Yeah. Because if you're always comfortable, then you're never learning. So. Totally. Yeah. Even when I asked um, people for questions, like they didn't give me any questions. They were like, ooh. Yeah. They, I, I don't think they knew what to ask. And also, I don't know. Maybe that just means that we, as women, we don't know a lot about the penis. So maybe that, that maybe that's what you accomplished. Yeah. I think that I did. <laughs> I'm just going to say I am now an expert and I know all of the things. Um, how, uh, out of the penis topic, how was your, your trip? It was good. It was, so we went to Italy and, uh, we went to New York first, actually. Spent and I went to Italy. We're there for six nights. And Did you eat back. a lot of food? I want to know about the eating. Okay. So here's a funny thing is, so we went to Rome and then we went to the Amalfi coast and mm-hmm. my husband's idea of Italian food is he was like, I'm going to eat so much chicken parm and so much like, you know, all these things like garlic bread and everything, which actually aren't Italian foods. Mm-hmm. They're Italian American. So uh-huh. immigrants that came over to America created the, these dishes. So my husband was like shell shocked. Tanner was like, what is on these menus? All there is is prosciutto, calamari and fish. And he hates seafood. And and pizza. And pizza. And the, yeah. yeah, the Napoleon pizzas. So good. So freaking good. good. There's nothing as good in the whole world. But I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I loved the food. What's crazy is... What did you eat? I ate fish. I ate, like, the calamari. I mean, I I Mm -hmm. ate prosciutto. I I mean, I just tried... Did you eat caprese? Because there's nothing better than the mozzarella over there. It's so good. I'm, like, salivating. Oh, my gosh. And we went with um, two of our friends, Kate and Paul. So they had... They got married in Amalfi mm-hmm. uh, in Positano. So they knew all the good restaurants. Yeah. They knew everything good to order. So I let them order a lot because Tanner couldn't find anything to eat. All I heard the whole trip was how hungry he was. Stop. Why didn't he just keep eating pizza and pasta? That exists there. <laughs> he did. He ate a lot of but the pasta is al dente. Oh. And there's no usually no meat on the pasta in, Ital- in oh. Italy. So there was no meat on his pastas. So he was just a frustrated, hangry man. Oh, my God. So hangry. And he got sick on a boat. So then he was... Tanner didn't have the best trip. <laughs> so for those of you listening, the first uh, day that we got to Italy, we go to, to like the customs areas to enter the country. This is and so bad. And you already had some hard travel before yeah, that. Yeah. We had oh. a bunch of delays in Denver that were horrible. Oh. Um, so we were super jet lagged. We get into Italy and Tanner can't find Emerson's passport. And so they're not going to let us into the country. Where and is this passport? Oh, so it got found. Okay. Where it was, was it? It was somehow tucked up into the cover of the car seat. So that happened. 
And then Tanner got seasick. And we got car sick. Ugh. Threw up all over the car seat. Like tons and tons of yogurt and strawberries. Oh my God. You know what's so funny is I remember you saying, like, we talked that day that she threw up and you were like, and she ate so much breakfast. And I remember she had so. You had taken a video of her eating, and I was like, she's eating so much. Like, I had that thought before she ever threw up. Well, because breakfast was definitely, like, her familiar foods. Totally. She was eating strawberries and yogurt and scrambled eggs, and there was potatoes. And so she would eat a ton at breakfast. And then we were driving down to the port to get on this boat, and it was such a windy road. And she's Mm -hmm. in the back, back seat of this van facing backwards in her car seat, and she just got— Normally, she can see out the window when we drive. Yeah. Out the back window, there was a headrest, so she couldn't look out. And she just got so sick, she just threw up everything. That's so sad. We had nowhere to stop. It was like Did the you tiniest one. Why need? I had, <laughs> I had an ex- I had diapers and I had a jacket. So I stripped her down on the side of the road. I like wiped her down with diaper wipes, and then gave her like a sponge bath with wipes. Put her in this jacket, and then when we got to Positano, I bought her an outfit at one of the gift shops. But it was quite the thing. It was quite the trip. It really was. And then uh, on the way back was how good? Oh, yeah. Well, then on the way back, she just did not do great on the flight from Italy to New York. But then from New York to L.A., she slept all six hours. That's amazing. She just fell asleep, and it was phenomenal. So you guys did this... You brought the car seat on. Too. How did you come up with this genius plan, though, the bringing the car seat on? Um, I just had seen other people travel with their car seats, and I okay. know that she does really well now with her car seat and sleeping for a long time in mm-hmm. it because she's comfortable. And so we decided to bring it. We didn't do the first flight with it, and she was so restless, could not fall asleep except on me. So she was, like, on top of my belly, over yeah. my shoulders, sleeping on me. I'm, yeah. like, s- cramped in the seat. Right. And all this pressure on my uterus. <laughs> and so the next flight, I was like, Tanner, we're just going to try the car seat. We're just going to experiment with it. And she did great. And so then we were going to use it again. We used it again on the way back. And that's when she had, like, the meltdown. And so he was really upset. And Tanner was like, we're not doing it the next flight. And the next flight, she slept six hours. And so then that was a win for Tanner. He was like, I won. She slept six hours. I'm like, she was just tired. <laughs> She's just tired. It's so funny because on the way to L.A., Evan was like, let's do the car seat thing that Jaden Tanner did. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, let's just try it. And it was a miracle worker. Yeah, I see. And I do think it is just luck of the draw. It it could. I mean, I have no idea. Evan's flying with Bella right now in a car seat. I have no idea how it's going. But I know that she got on the plane and slept for an hour. And she doesn't do that if she's on my lap. She doesn't. Yeah. She can't fall asleep anywhere. Like Emerson, like there was a video of Emerson sleeping like on a bench at a restaurant. Well, yeah, that's just a jet lag and overtiredness. Yeah, I just, Bella's like, it's freaking <laughs> manic. Oh, well, she just like, I mean, we would be walking for so long that eventually she would just like just lull be, herself to mm, sleep. And that's, that's it was nice. a miracle. Now, normally, normally it's like full out overtired tantrums. Yeah. But yeah, she I fell asleep, that. which was nice because Kate and Paul wanted to go to a really nice dinner that night. Oh. I was like, oh God, I don't know how we're going to do this. Yeah. And she fell asleep on that oh, bench. They had so that bench nice. there, which was the lifesaver. That's amazing. And she slept the whole dinner. Well, the car seat thing is, is great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, as of right now, I'm saying that right now. I have no idea. I think that I still would want to travel with a car seat on the plane. Tanner definitely has different opinions. Mm-hmm. But... 
overall, I know people were like, how do you do it with a toddler? How did you travel? Yeah. I, it was a lot, but we actually really had a really great time. Like the coast was beautiful. It's so pretty there. Emerson loved the pool. I still think it's just so important to travel with your children. And if you don't want to, that's fine too. Like you can stay at home and they get just as much stimulation there as anything, you know, but yeah. for us, like I love taking her places. So even though this felt like a little bit, I want to say of like a defeat. Yeah. Um, I still want to travel with our children. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah. I mean, Evan and I are going on a baby moon to London and Paris and we're not taking Bella. Yeah. <laughs> but in my brain, think about how fun the experience would be with her because, I mean, it would just be like cute, you know, cute pictures and like Well, you see everything. Awe, yeah. Like, that's, wow, that's look the at thing. this, you know. You see everything through your children's eyes and it's just like yeah. so new and just right. like that makes the trip worth it. You yeah, know? totally. And just having those experiences and the pictures and the memories. I feel you why you want to just go you and Evan. Yeah. Like next trip, I would love to just, which won't happen probably for a while after this baby, but I would love to just go on just me and Tanner and just enjoy yeah. being ourselves without our child. Yeah, I think if if my mom didn't live so close and like Bella 100% loves my mother more than she loves any other human in the whole world, including myself. She is in awe of my mom at every second. Just like she would be if she looked at like something, <laughs> some amazing like... Big Ben. Yes. She's in the same awe. Um, and, you know, Evan and I like, I really want to go see shows in the West End. And like, we can't do that if we have Bella with us. Like, I'm, I'm all about shows and musicals and... I'm just like, oh, gosh, like, we couldn't do that, and I don't want to get a sitter over there and, you know, things like that. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that either. I feel like... But one day, she will she will come with me. Yeah. But that day is not <laughs> July 23rd through the 30th. <laughs> uh, speaking of traveling, today we have Shay Scholl on, who has a travel agency, and it's the travel expert. We are going to be talking to her about... Uh, she has two adopted girls from China and two biological children. She's also um, has this amazing blog, and she is the sister of Sean Lowe. Yeah, our, our Bachelor Nation. I would I would say maybe favorite Bachelor of all time. Like he is, he's he up is there. Loved, he is a loved Bachelor for sure. That's how I first heard about Shay. Actually, was um, because of Sean, because mm -hmm. of the franchise. But she is such a sweetheart. She is so open on her blog about her family dynamics and adoption and just the process. And so if you're considering wanting to adopt internationally, which is what they did, uh, she has a lot to offer just um, from, a, from a mother's perspective. So um, we're really excited to have her here. I know a lot of our listeners were really excited when we announced that she was coming on and... Uh, yeah, we can't wait to hear what she has to say. Yeah, so after this uh, little break, we will be talking to Shay. And now it's time for our segment, Jade and Carly pay for Emmy and Bella's college education. Prenatal gummy vitamins are taking off, but perfect prenatal multivitamin from New Chapter is better for you. There's no sugar, no gelatin, with pure whole food fermented ingredients for you and your growing miracle. Plus, this complete prenatal 
vitamin harnesses the power of fermentation, meaning it's easily digestible and gentle even on an empty stomach, which is huge, and unlocks each nutrient to make them better absorbed. So you both get the most out of your prenatal multivitamin. I actually use new chapter prenatal vitamins, and so I'm super excited that they're sponsoring our podcast, by the way. Moms love that perfect prenatal multivitamin from new chapter because it's fermented, so it's better absorbed by the body. Perfect Prenatal incorporates targeted nutrients for healthy pregnancy and fetal development, including fermented folate to help support healthy birth weight and development of the baby's brain and spinal cord. These multivitamins are formulated with the most active form of folate, methylfolate, which is really good. Perfect Prenatal also provides fermented B vitamins that help your body naturally produce energy, and their improved formula also delivers a clinical dose of organic ginger to soothe nausea to related pregnancy like morning sickness. Find new chapter at the vitamin shop, Whole Foods, or your local health food store. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know what I think is one of the best self-care things to do? is make my home beautiful. Oh my God. When you walk into your house and everything is in the right spot and you have like comfortable sheets and fresh towels, it feels like heaven. Yes. There's nothing better than sliding into a bed with new fresh sheets. After a hot shower. It's like my favorite thing ever. It really is just like heaven. It is. It really is. And I just got a pair of Brooklinen sheets and I've never had softer more luxurious sheets in my entire life. Like it's actually very hard to get out of bed in the morning because of the sheets. <laughs> really? <laughs> They're so comfortable. Um, I noticed after, cause we have Brooklyn and sheets too. After I've washed them a couple of times, they keep getting softer and softer, but they maintain their quality. Yes. Even Emerson's crib sheets are so soft. And I'm like, Oh, like she's getting a little like spa treatment too. I feel like she's oh. just sleeping on the softest sheets ever. Yes. Our house is now a spa. Also, Brooklinen got 35,000 five-star reviews, more than any other online bedding company. That's crazy. That's huge. And the best part too is they've got 12 beautiful linen colors and patterns to choose from. And I feel like linen is such a great fabric for summer because it's light, it's breezy. Oh, it's yeah. Some, it's it's going to keep you cool at night. Yeah. And they have robes. And all of this is like luxury without the markup of luxury prices. I mean, who doesn't like a good deal? So I love a good deal. And it's in their name, you guys. So you know it's good. Brooklinen's newest linen collection is amazing. I couldn't recommend their products more for graduates, newlyweds, friends, family, or just like we said, treat yourself in the bedroom because you deserve it. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get 10% off and free shipping when you use promo code MOMMIES at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. Wowza. Yeah. And the only way to get 10% off and free shipping is to use our promo code MOMMIES at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N dot com. Promo code mommies. Brooklinen. These are the best shoots ever. All right, everybody. So we have Shay Scholl with us today. And a lot of you probably know her from her successful blog. And then if you're a fan of The Bachelor, she is Sean Lowe's and Catherine Lowe's sister. 
Hi, Shay. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be chatting with you girls today. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. We're so excited to have you on. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. So thank you. We got so much love. Um, I put it on my Instagram that we were having you on and so many people were like, oh my God, I love her. And I love her story and I love her blog and so much like positive feedback. So, Well, thank you. That means a lot. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I guess I just wanted to get started right away because I know a lot of our listeners have been wanting us to um, touch on adoption. And I think there's so many unique stories. Like each one is obviously a very different story when it comes to adoption. But you have two little girls that you and your husband adopted. And then you have your son, right? And a daughter. And a daughter. And a daughter. Bio kiddos. And then two girls that we adopted from China. Yeah, so um, I guess I just want to know a little bit about you and your husband and your story and what made you guys decide to adopt and adopt internationally and what it's just been like with your family um, doing that. Well, absolutely. Uh, My husband and I have been married for 15 years and um, our oldest two kids are nine and 10 right now. And when they were just barely two, and uh, 11 months old, I, you know, I mean, they're babies, right? Barely two and 11 months old. I mean, that's crazy. And they're babies. And, <laughs> uh, you know, nothing was calm in my world whatsoever. They're 16 months apart. I, I, my son, who's the younger one, I mean, he just came out of nowhere. And um, it was not planned at all. And so we had these two young kids and we're just, you know, living the normal suburban life. And one Sunday, you know, we went to church and they were having orphan Sunday. I didn't know what that was, but, you know, I went in, sat down and the whole service was just to educate on the orphan crisis, you know, that's global. I sat there and I listened and I watched some testimonials, you know, of people that had adopted and some videos. And I heard the statistics that there are an estimated 150 million orphans in the world. And that doesn't include um, the hundreds of thousands of kids in foster care here in the United States. So it just, I just walked in one person and I walked out a different person. And I left Mm -hmm. and I just really thought like, why not me? I could have continued to have more kids um, biologically, but I just really just, felt this, I did not feel it when I walked in, but when I walked out, I felt this calling that I was supposed to be a mom to a kid that didn't have one. And so I didn't know what that looked like. My husband thought I had lost my mind. I mean, I mean, we were like loading the kids into the car after church and they're like screaming because they're tired and hungry and it's nap time. And, and I'm in the process of saying like, Hey, let's get somebody else's kid and raise it. (laughs) And he was very much like, you have like lost your mind. But um, we took a, a long time. We took a year yeah, and like just talked about it. Like, what does it look like? Is it domestic? Is it international? Are they older than our biological kids? Are they younger? Is it a girl? Is it a boy? Is it from Africa or Asia or South America? I mean, there were so many things to, to talk about and pray about and consider. And um, just over time, I would say over about a year and a half, we just kept coming back to the Chinese girls. Uh, so there's a these are approximate numbers, but approximately 150 million orphans and about a third of them are Chinese girls, a huge wow. number. Um, 
And so just every time we would talk about potentially something else, we would just come back to those Chinese girls and just our hearts just felt really called to that. I mean, now looking back, I can tell it's because that's where my kids were and God was trying to make Mm -hmm. me go that direction. Um, so we set out to adopt one and, um, it had no, I mean, I really thought I'd have, I have, it's just Sean and me, a boy and a girl. So I really thought I'd have two kids. So the thought of even adopting one and having three kids sounded crazy. We picked China and we decided on a little girl. And once we started the paperwork, it took about 18 months and we went there and we got her and we brought her home. And it was so amazing that after we'd only been home for six weeks, I was like, we should do this again. And he was like, we totally should. (laughs) And so we started again. And so it took another, coincidentally, I mean, it's not set in stone, but took another 18 months. And um, so in about two years, we got another little girl from China. And so we've had the second one home now for almost three years. And they are um, four. And then our older one, her birthday is Sunday. She's about to be seven. And they were both two when we got them. So it's just been, I mean, it's amazing. I'm a huge fan now. I mean, it's absolutely amazing having them in our home. And they are my kids. They are my kids every bit as much as the two that I gave birth to are, 100%. What was that moment like for you guys when you were flying over to China, you knew you were going to meet your daughter, and then you finally saw her? It, um, it's just, you know, I had, I had a, I was induced and then I had a scheduled C-section. It's kind of that same feeling like when you're in the car and you're going to the yeah. hospital and you know, like this person I've been thinking about and talking about and I've named and there's a room for this person. Like it's real. Like I'm about to actually meet this person that just, you know, you, you're excited, but you're a little nervous and you're unsure. And, you know, you think, am I going to be able to do this? And what's this going to be like? Um, I had all the emotions. I um, I tell people, you probably, I mean, I'm just trying to be really like honest. You probably could have talked me out of both adoptions up until about a minute before I did it because it's big and scary and there's so many unknowns. And, and I never want somebody to think like, well, I can't do it because I'm not 100% sure about it. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's a big thing and there's a lot of outcomes. And I do think uh, typically the, the scary stories are the ones that are spread on Facebook the most often, right? The stories um, that don't turn out so well are the ones we mostly hear, but there's so many great adoption stories. But anyway, I did, I went with a lot of apprehension. Then the moment I saw both of them, I mean, they were screaming and crying, just like when you give birth. I mean, these people didn't know who I was and they were confused. And I mean, it's a, it's a, it's different because it's a kind of sad, it is sad for them. They're experiencing some sort of a loss and they don't, they can't understand what's going on. But in my heart at that moment, it was beautiful because I saw them and I was like, those are my babies, you know? Yeah. Every bit as much as if I had just given birth to them. When you went over there, were they staying at like an orphanage? Did you pick them up from an orphanage and see where they were living or did you guys, how does that process work? Yeah, it's different for, you know, every country and then every individual adoption. So for our first daughter, um, Ashby is her name. Ashby was in an orphanage in Xi'an, which is a really big um, town in China. And her orphanage, we picked her up at like a civil affairs office. 
But then the next day we went back to her orphanage. We picked her up and we had her in our possession from that, from that moment on. But the next day we went to her orphanage to just see what it was like. Um, one, it's kind of like in a skyscraper, which surprised me. It's like oh, a big tall weird. building. Yeah. Cause in my head, I visualized an orphanage, I don't know, and out in a rural area, but no, I mean, she lives in a city or she did of like 17 million. So they were just in a big building and we went and, um, she was in an orphanage that had about 850 kids in it at that time. And she was in a room, one room for two years and never one time left that room. Wow. She never went outside. She never left this room. There were about a hundred kids in this room and you, she didn't leave it. Now the last six months she was in there, they moved her to a different floor, a different room. And she was able to have a little bit of outside time at that point, but she was two. Um, wow. Yeah. But the first two years of her life, she lived there. Our other daughter was in a more rural um, orphanage and they drove her four hours to meet us at the big city quote where we had to do the paperwork. So we didn't get to go to her orphanage. Um, but again, they brought her to, they brought her to our hotel actually. Um, and then we signed paperwork to the civil affairs office the next day. So very different experiences. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many people in China. And then when you factor in the millions of, of orphans that are living there, yeah, we were in like a skyscraper. It was very different than what I had expected. Yeah, that's not what I would imagine either. I was more like, I'm more like you where I would expect, I guess, like a, a rural situation. Yeah. Um, does did any of them have, um, I guess just because I'm curious, my so my aunt adopted a daughter, um, or she's adopted um, from Romania, and yeah. she was in a crib for the first two years of her life and was never held, was never really picked up and loved on. And she had a lot of developmental delays, and uh, I think she didn't walk until she was five. But yeah. did you did any of your daughters experience anything like that or? Yeah, and so it's different, obviously, with each kid, but with each country. So China's program with the United States is you have to select a kid that has a special need. There are different severities. Uh, some things, even here in America, we wouldn't qualify that as a special need. Um, so some of them are like a cleft lip or a cleft palate. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're born prematurely, that could be considered a special need. So just to start, to pick a kid in China, you have to pick one that has a special need. So Ashby, my almost seven-year-old, has what has turned out to be a very severe special need. She has a vascular malformation that starts in her heart, goes up her shoulder, and down her right arm and her right hand. It, we were told hers was minor. It's turned out to be um, very complicated and complex. So she has that. So we were kind of aware that she had some sort of a vascular thing, but we didn't really know the extent of it until we got her here in the United States. Um, the back of her head is very flat. I would imagine she was not held at all um, just based on how her head was formed and shaped. We, we got her at two years and seven months, so that's a long time to be without a mama to pick you up and hold you. Yeah. Um, Really, our girls have done great with attachment, and that's a, a big concern and a big issue in the adoption community. I mean, they didn't know who we were at first, and they didn't understand us because we spoke English, and they were used to hearing Mandarin, but it didn't take long for them to realize, oh, these are these are my people, and they're going to take care of me and provide for me. And so attachment-wise, they've done fantastic. One thing I was surprised, I was surprised how long it would take them 
to learn English and to fix articulation issues. Um, neither one of my girls spoke Mandarin because nobody was teaching them and they weren't watching TV and no one was reading them a book or anything like that, but they just heard it mm. and they heard it enough to really kind of screw up them learning a second language, which has been English. So even though Ashby's been home four and a half years, we still work daily on articulation and vocabulary and not, uh, she's doing great, but just the other day she didn't know, and she's almost seven and she's been here four and a half years. She didn't know the word grandfather. She knew grandpa, papa, like words that she calls mm -hmm. the men in her life. But when I said grandfather, she was like, what is that? And it's because that's a word you just learn earlier in life. Not when you're three learning English for the first time. So language has been a struggle. Um, but attachment has been fantastic. And I don't think you hear enough of that. Uh, they they want to be loved. They want a family. So many of yeah. them attach easily. And I think we sometimes only hear the, the negative stories about how the kids don't attach, which does happen. But I do think, I'm going to say more often than not, they attach because they they feel that they feel that you're taking care of them. Sure. You know? It's a human need to, yeah. to be loved and loved back. So... If you're providing yeah. that environment, you, you know, that's like, that's like one of the most innate human desires. It is. And our girls, I mean, they love us. I mean, Aww. and I say that because I love them and <laughs> it's so mutual that they don't, and who knows when they're teenagers and perhaps maybe bratty what they're going to say. I mean, but my biological <laughs> kids are going to be bratty teenagers too, right? Right. I mean, right. Who's not? <laughs> but they, they know they're adopted. We talk about it when it's, you know, when it, when it comes up organically, uh, but they don't question that they're in this family or that they're loved or that they're supposed to be here, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's really amazing. That was one of our listener questions too, which was, um, do they, do your daughters understand that they're adopted and how did you, um, bring that up within the family and bring that up to them? If you want to answer yeah, that. Of course. Um, looking back, I can see how like God's probably worked in my life because I was a nanny for six years to two kids that were adopted from birth. They were domestically adopted, but I watched their parents from day one, just kind of make it a part of everyday conversation. So that there was never a big, let me sit you down and tell you that you're adopted. And that just struck a chord with me. And I remember being a teenager and in my early 20s watching that and thinking, well, that's cool how organically they're able to like just bring it into conversation as necessary and answer questions as needed. Um, and so we've really tried to do that. We There's, of course, uh, particular times we really talk about the Mother's Day, their birthdays, uh, their gotcha days. We talk a lot about it, but sometimes, you know, we just, I'll say something like, you know, Ashby, you just look so pretty today and uh, your hair looks so pretty. I bet your mama has hair like that. You know, it's just, you yeah. can bring it up and talk about it. Uh, sometimes they ask questions. I let them lead. I don't, uh, I mean, they're four and seven, right? Um, my daughter Ashby in the car just uh, six or eight weeks ago, we were driving to dance and in the backseat of the car, we were listening to the radio, not talking about anything. And she said, do you think my birth mom is dead? And mm -hmm. I said, well, I don't have any reason to think so. Why would you ask? And she said, I was just wondering if that's why she couldn't keep me, which is a great question, you know, um, and her little brain uh, was thinking about that. Her mind was thinking about that. And I'm so glad she felt comfortable to ask. And 
you know, I told her, you know, I don't, I, I don't have any reason to think that she is, but you know what, let's say a prayer for her right now that she's having a great day and that she's happy and healthy. And, you know, we just try to, to talk about it as, um, as much as we think our girls need it. It's a balance because we want them to, the main goal is we want them to feel a part of our family, right? And so constantly reminding them that they are from China and adopted would probably hinder that. So our first goal is to make them feel like they're one of us. And then our second goal is to just make them proud of where they're from and thankful for the birth moms that left them places so that they could be found and kept safe and And that we just, I know in my heart, those mamas, you don't have a baby and just want to give it away. Like situations happen that make that the right choice or her only choice, but she had them and that is love to me. And I always want my girls to know, like she had to have loved you for all of these reasons right here and thinks about you all the time. How could you not think about your baby all the time? I'm sure they do. And we talk about that too. So we're learning. We're, you know, one day at a time. Yeah, no, I think that's really beautiful that that's the way you guys approach it. And that just makes me like her sweet little innocent heart thinking about that. Oh, my gosh. But I know. (laughs) Yeah. And my four year old, we talk about it, but she uh, she out of all my kids, she loves me the most. I mean, my kids say all the time, she's she's your favorite. I'm like, yeah, but look how much she like kisses me. Of course, she's my favorite. (laughs) I mean, you guys kiss me that much. I might like you more, too. Um, she doesn't really, she knows and she talks about it a little bit, but she, you know, is happy go lucky at this point in four. And it's not a conversation we have all the time with her. Um, when you, uh, first started talking about adopting a girl with your children, did they, were they old enough to understand what that meant? I, I saw on your blog, I loved how they both brought, a little toy yeah. for her that is the sweetest thing. But I, I think for, you know, people that are also adopting, wondering how to bring that up with young children, what would be your advice with that? So my kids were so young that they don't remember not having the conversation about adoption. Mm-hmm. But it, it just, it's always been something we've talked about or done here in our family. But I have some really close friends that have adopted with older kids and I will say that um, emotions have run the gamut, and uh, but it's something that the more you talk about it and and educate your family on it, watch videos and learn and read about why these kids don't have families and how we can help. And I don't have a and I have a very large adoption community here, and it's all of the kids have gotten on board. I mean, it's just amazing to watch. I mean, kids are so loving and compassionate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much to show them that my kids have been, I don't like to brag about much, but I love to brag about my two big kids because they have been amazing through this. Um, absolutely. Cause you know, we bring in extra kids and then kids that have special needs and that just takes time and attention away from them. And they've been just fantastic. Um, I really, they, they deserve the credit. They've been great, but I do think just that constant talking and communicating about it and really educating them. We took our kids with us to China both times. To me, that was huge. And I understand uh, people email me all the time and they say, you know, we're going, we're adopting. We're very hesitant to bring our biological kids with us. And I get that it, it added expense. And I get that there are dangers and, uh, you know, reasons why you might worry to take your kids to the other side of the world. But it was the 
best thing I did because my kids walked in that orphanage. My kids looked at that room and realized my sister was in there for two years, you know, Mm -hmm. that they'll never forget. And I'm, if I could encourage anybody that's in the process, if you can try to make it happen, I just think it's amazing. I also think my girls did better because think about it. If you're a two-year-old and you've been in a room with a bunch of two-year-olds your whole life, right? Right. And then you're handed to two adults. You've never seen a man, right? Most uh, orphans in China have never even seen a man. Hmm. You're handed to this big, tall man person and a girl and no other kids. And now you're isolated. I could see where that could be really hard for the child leaving the orphanage and going to the hotel with the mom and the dad. My kids were there. So I think that gave my daughters like this peace of mind of like, oh, these little people seem to like these big people Mm -hmm. and these little people seem happy. Um, They opened up to my kids a lot faster than they opened up to my husband and me. Um, So anyway, I do highly recommend bringing your kids. I think it's good for everybody. It's good for your bio kids. It's good for your, your new kids too. Um, Another, a listener question we had that, I mean, goes along with this. When you, when you are thinking about adoption and the first um, steps to doing that, um, what what would you recommend on the best things to look for when deciding on an adoption agency? Um, so I have done two adoptions and used two different agencies. Uh, one was a little bit more boutique and one was big. And I think there's pros and cons to both. I really think the most important thing to do is to call several, ask them what they specialize in because they all do pretty much tend to specialize in a few things. Um, you'll get some that specialize. We do a little China with maybe a touch of Uganda, you know, but they have their areas and another one will do just Haitian adoptions. So find one that specializes in where you're thinking you want to adopt from Mm -hmm. and then, um, really enjoy communicating with them whether it's by phone or email, because you're going to communicate with them a lot at the beginning. Um, So make sure it's someone that gets back to you timely, someone that you feel like is compassionate, understanding, answers your questions, makes you feel um, like, like what you're saying is valid and not, you know, ridiculous. I, I think establishing when you're interviewing them, like, okay, this place has really great communication. I think I can really work with them. And then questions I would ask is how many children did you place last year in the country? Let's say China. How many children did you place last year in China? How many children are you trying to place this year in China? What is the average amount of time it took to place them in China? Those would be like the biggest questions. Because if they say to you, we had, we placed two kids in China last year and we have 164 we're trying to place this year. That's not a good number for me, right? Mm-hmm. I need them placing a lot more kids than the percentage of the ones they have waiting. So I think those are some very good questions to ask. Those are some of the questions I asked. Um, and I encourage my friends to do the same um, because you don't want to get to one. They're, they're all working off the same kind of documentation and the same timelines, uh, but some just have a heavier workload. Some are, hate to use the word better, but more capable of matching kids faster than others. And I do think it kind of changes. I think some, so I don't think one is always supreme. I think that different years, different ones have, uh, have it together more than others. So uh, those are the questions I would ask when interviewing. How long did you say it took again? 18 months? From beginning to end, from the minute I contacted them to the minute I had them in my arms for us, it took 18 months. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty average though, right? I feel that's such a long process, but 
Yeah, it depends on where you're adopting from. Um, I have an adoption Facebook page with several thousand moms in there. And so I, every day I'm like in it and listening to how long it's taking. From what I gather, China, 18 to 24 months seems to be kind of the sweet spot. But then there are countries like Haiti and Colombia. Those tend to take longer, maybe four years and wow. up. Yeah. So it, it depends. But then I hate to use pros and cons in China. You would have to be a part of the special needs program in Haiti. Uh, my understanding is you wouldn't have to be um, in some countries like Colombia is another one that I hear about. So you're waiting longer, but you're with the understanding that your kid might not have any special needs, which some people are equipped for that. Some people are not, you know, there's nothing wrong either way with, with that. It's just different aspects of adoption in different countries. Yeah, I went on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic um, when I was 16, and we worked with an orphanage, and I remember that a lot of those children were going to be there for life until, or I guess till they were 18, and then they were out of the system um, because they they didn't have their birth certificates. They were just dumped at the door, so sadly, and um, they were unable to be adopted through the system because they didn't have their birth certificates. And I just remember, I just remember just feeling so like, it just felt like so helpless that like these children were just going to live there for all their lives. I mean, their childhoods, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it's such a vicious cycle because then they can't get an education and they can't get a job and they can't make money and they either go to crime or become homeless. I mean, it's just, it's just this really sad, sad cycle. Both of my daughters were found abandoned. So they had no documentation whatsoever. But China, I feel like, does a very good job of getting papers for these kids, creating names for them, creating birthdays for them, so that they're able to put them in some sort of a system that other countries can look at and choose kids for adoption. That's great, at least. Yeah, because... As far as I know, there was no option for that for these kids at the orphanage I had visited. So, Some countries are more organized than others. Hague is like the convention that is global that monitors adoption. And some countries are not Hague countries, and they definitely don't have an organized adoption process. And it's just so incredibly sad. So sad. Yeah. Um, Do you guys want to have – do you eventually – think you'll ever adopt again? Or do you guys want to have more children? Do you think your family is complete? Well, you know, I'm definitely done having biological kiddos. And I never want to say I'm like officially done with adopting kids because I don't want to hate to tell God what I'm going to do. He always likes to, <laughs> he always likes to argue with me. Um, right now, we feel really uh, in a great place with our four kids. Uh, but I'm never going to be one to say like I couldn't adopt another kid again because it's been such a wonderful thing for our family. So who knows moving forward, but right now, today, we're doing great with our family of four, our family of six. That's awesome. And you were saying that you have a big uh, community of ado- like a parents that, who have adopted. Is that something you would suggest for people who are wanting to adopt children or who have, who have adopted? Yes. So I um, just got email after email after email. I still do. Uh, people wanting to adopt or wanting more information. And I'm the only person they know, even if they don't know me personally, they know me through the internet that has adopted. And so they would come to me as their resource. And I'm so happy to answer questions, but I'm not a a resource for all adoptions. And so I started thinking like, I need to create some sort of a community so that if someone comes to me and says, we're trying to adopt from, uh, you know, Nicaragua, like 
what do we do? So I created this Facebook page and I, there are over 3000 uh, families in there. And it's really great because they can post and say, Hey, I'm going to adopt from Haiti. I need help with this. And there'll be, you know, 50 comments saying you should do this. You should do this. And it's been a really great thing for, I think for the adoption community um, in my little world, my uh, little circle of influence so that people can rely, uh, rely on information from other people and they can, they can get so many resources from them. It's just really amazing. Also, we wanted to talk, uh, we love your blog, by the way. You Thank have, you. So, I mean, I was crying reading um, all the stories uh, when you uh, went to pick up your daughters and seeing the pictures. Um, that I, you're also just such a good writer. Oh, like thank the, you. You can just, your voice comes out so well in the way you write. And I know that just touches so many people. You also um, have food on there and travel and fashion and everything in between. Um, and you also have a travel agency. I do. I own a travel agency. That's and amazing. all my spare time, you know. How do you yes. do it all? <laughs> I don't. I have people that, that help in my travel agency. I have um, some wonderful employees that work here with me. But, uh, and I don't sleep very much. But I do. I own a travel <laughs> agency and I, I love it. I, it's been about seven years now and it's just fantastic. I love to travel. It's been something I've done since I was, my parents really instilled that into us and mm-hmm. we traveled a lot as kids. And um, so now I get to do it for a living and it's great. Where's your favorite place you've gone? So the I get top, that like three. Okay. So I get that a, a lot. I always say the place that's made the biggest impact on me. Um, I've been to three concentration camps. And so I just feel like that should get top billing because I've never gone in one and come out one, the same person. Mm. So, uh, Germany, Austria, uh, and Belgium were the three that I've been to. So I, wow. I just, if you want to go somewhere that's going to just, um, educate you and just change your life, uh, the concentration camps, um, have really made a huge impact on me. But if we're going to be just fun, silly where I've been that I've liked, I love Europe. Like all of my top places would probably be in Europe. I love England. Last year we took the kids to Ireland and Scotland and that was mm. amazing. I love Italy. Um, I just, I love your, we're not super beachy people over here. I mean, we do go to the beach from time to time, but we really like to explore and learn as we tend to hit the big cities more than we do uh, beach towns. We're not great with sitting around relaxing. That's not really our speed. That's how I am too. Do you have any kids travel tips? We get this question all the time. I was going to say, I just went to Italy with um, my husband and, and Emerson and she's 21 months and it put us through the ringer. I mean, it was, it was a good trip, but it was very testing and hard. And I'm like thinking over here, I'm like, you travel with four children. <laughs> well, I don't want to come across as like, like arrogant. Like I've got it all figured out. Cause I certainly don't, but I do think a couple things. Cause I get this question a lot with my customers too. One practice makes perfect. It's just like taking them to a restaurant, mm. right? You know, at first they're throwing things on the ground and they're screaming and being loud but the more they do it, the better they get and they understand boundaries and expectations. And mm-hmm. so I think the same thing applies with traveling. I mean, I got some stellar traveling kids. I mean, I, a documentary film company should just follow my kids because I'm really proud of how great I would they watch. Are. It's taken <laughs> a lot of practice. 
practice though. It's taken a lot of practice to get them to where they are. But a lot of that is boundaries, structure. Um, they understand what expectations are. I get this question a lot too. I'm a really type A person. I mean, I am so type A. And so typically I embrace all type A behaviors, but I get asked a lot like, well, now we're taking our kids, let's say to Rome. Um, how do we work in a nap time? And how do we make sure the yes. bedroom is right? And how to oh, probably yeah. make sure we're eating our vegetables. Okay. You're not going to do any of that. You're on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody chill out. Like that's my advice. I really think everyone has more fun if you stop trying to make your everyday schedule fit into vacation schedule. Mm-hmm. That I think stresses everybody out because mom is trying, oh my gosh, we better leave the Coliseum because we have to go back and take a nap and we can't stay out and have wine and pizza because it's bedtime. No, that is at home schedule. At home schedule is at home schedule. Vacation schedule is we're going to go with the flow and live in the moment because we're spending a lot of money to be there. So we need to appreciate every second. They'll nap in the stroller. They'll fall asleep when they need to. You know what? They eat veggies at home. Let them eat pizza now and gelato and if they don't see a single green vegetable, they will be fine. Like we just all, I think if everybody just lowers the schedule expectation and just remembers like we have at home routine and now we're going to have vacation routine. And I promise you, they will go right back to at home routine when they get home. They, they will not forget it um, because you went on a week long vacation. So I think that is my number one tip, tip just to chill out a little bit, go with the flow. It's going to be fine. Yeah, no, I think that's really great advice. My daughter, she did great on vacation. It was just the flight back was, oh, oh my God. I have God. a tip for that. Oh, no, I have please. a tip. Here's my number one tip. It works every time. And when I tell people, they always email me back and say, oh my gosh, it worked. As soon as you get on the plane, when you're like putting your stuff away and buckling up, you start apologizing to everyone around you. <laughs> okay. You start saying, I'm so sorry you have to sit by us. Oh, I hate having to sit by a kid on a plane. Oh, I know. I'm so sorry. It's the worst. Every time they... Everybody will start being like, oh my gosh, I have four grandkids. Oh my gosh, I love my godson. He looks just like him. Oh, we love kids. Oh, that baby is fine. I promise you the whole attitude shifts. And when the baby's crying, when the baby's fussy, the people look at you with that, it's going to be okay look and not that I wish your baby would be quiet look. I mean, it changes everything. It really does. If you start apologizing, the people around you, I've had, you know, women sitting next to me say, let me hold her for a minute. Let me walk up and down the aisle. And if I'm on a long flight and you're offering to walk my baby up and down the aisle, stranger, you go for it. Like, oh yeah, it, it really changes everything when you just acknowledge to everyone in your area how annoying it is to have a baby. They immediately tell you how not annoying it is and how they're so happy your baby is on board today. So I do think that, again, just helps. <laughs> to, it helps you take a deep breath, you know? Totally. It, just, it really does. It works. Um, other than that, you're just surviving. I mean, goodness, you're oh. giving them candy. I'm not a big, let my kid have candy. Oh, candy, iPad, all the things I say we can't do at home on an airplane. You can have it all, you know, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you can have it all, do it all. Just we're surviving. That's all you're doing. And then just remember when you get off, you'll never see those people again. So it doesn't matter. You know, that's so true. We, um, I mean, she was, she just had a really hard time on the flight home and it was a nine hour flight from Rome to New York city and she was just crying. I was crying. <laughs> she it happened. She was having a tantrum in customs, but everybody was so nice that they let us through the line. I was like, hey, I guess cust- hey. you have a tantrum See? in customs. Oh, that's a good idea. You skipped the line. <laughs> but- I've had people suggest, like, should I give my child, you know, Benadryl to make them drowsy? No, I, no. I, you, no, don't do that stuff. 
don't, I don't personally don't like to sleep deprive them to make them sleep on the plane because when my kids get sleep deprived, they, they get crazy loud and whiny, not necessarily sleepy. Mm -hmm. So I just, I really just apologize. I give them candy and iPads and whatever it is and just say a prayer and eventually you land and it's over. And then the more they do it, the better they get. They are really my, yeah, the more they do it, even young kids, when my kids were like three, they, no, no fussing whatsoever. So they were great. So your advice to me is don't lose hope. Don't lose <laughs> hope. Keep doing it. Keep practicing. As yes, we speak right this. now, my husband is on a flight alone with our daughter. Oh. <laughs> Listen. I feel really good sitting here not being on that flight. <laughs> it will make him appreciate mama, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. That's so true. He's a hero. Um, Shay, where can people find your travel agency if they're interested in booking with you guys? Yes, you can find me everywhere at Mix and Match Mama, M-A-M-A. Mix and Match Mama will just send you every which direction. On my website, there's a travel tab. You can click on that. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, I'm Mix and Match Travel Agency. Or if you went to Mix and Match Mama on Facebook and Instagram, it would send you to my travel agency at some point too. So you can find me everywhere. Very cool. And then if somebody is wanting to get in touch with your support group for adoption, where's that yeah. at? On Facebook, Mix and Match Adoption Group. Uh, you just need to send in a request. There are three questions to answer. Answer the three questions. We'll let you ride on in. We'd love to have you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. Oh, Carly Jade, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was so much fun. I appreciate the travel tips. And I know that there's a lot of women out there who are considering adoption. So thank you for being so open and honest about all that as well. Well, if, if you don't hear anything else today, I would love for people to hear that I think adoption is amazing. I think that more adoptions go well than not. And there are just so many millions of kids that want a family. And so if you have room in your home, room at your table, room in your car for one more, I really hope that you would consider it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, I really appreciate it. And now, another installment of Jade and Carly Pay for Emmy and Bella's College Education. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. It's mobile, it's available when you need it, and it's affordable. Finding the right therapist doesn't have to be stressful. The Talkspace matching process takes your unique preferences into account to find someone whose style and expertise matches your needs. And if you want to switch therapists, you can do that at any time at no extra cost. Talkspace is convenient easy to use, and you no longer have to wait for your next appointment to talk about what's on your mind. With Talkspace, you can send unlimited messages to your dedicated therapist from the privacy of your device from anywhere at any time. And if you're having a rough time, you can always schedule a live video session with your therapist for extra support. Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face to match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use our code MOMMIES to get your first week free and show your support for the show. That's MOMMIES and Talkspace.com. You know what I love? I love my cat. But you know what I don't love about cats? I don't like cleaning up their litter box, which is actually why I send Evan to do it now. And he loves me even more because I have switched to Arm & Hammer cloud control litter. There's no cloud of like nasties when he scoops up and it's 100% dust free. It's free of heavy perfumes. It helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. 
So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. You're welcome, Evan. That's new Cloud Control Cat Litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to ya. I know I say this a lot, but Shay is very delightful. And you just feel so much, you know, when people say like, I love my kids. Like you really can feel that from her, like her voice and her whole presence about her. Like, and we are just calling, we called her and you can tell like how much she loves her kids. Yeah. I feel like anybody, well, I know there are lots of reasons to adopt or why you're adopting, but for somebody who feels like called to it in a different purpose, like you can just sense like you have to have a lot of love in your heart to be somebody who's you know, willing to do that. Oh yeah, she's got it. Yeah, she's got it. This is that's another affirmation we need to do. There we go. Speaking of affirmations. Speaking of affirmations, <laughs> I do have one that um, it does apply to. I think blended families, families that have adopted children to their families, uh, our families, any kind of family. But I think it's just really beautiful, and it says, it's actually a quote from the Alchemist. And it says, I love you because the entire universe conspired to help me find you. Mm. And I That just, is so good. It's just so beautiful. And that's like exactly what she said, too. She knew it was China because she knew her daughters were there. Yeah. You know? And, and that when she met them, she was like, these are my babies. Yep. Oh, it's so beautiful. It really is. That's a really good quote. I love it. I love The Alchemist. I do, too. It's such a good book. Such a good book. But... Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We love you and appreciate you. We have some fun podcasts coming up as well with some crazy guests coming on, (laughs) which is very exciting, and some informative guests and all of the things. So uh, stay tuned, obviously, in the next couple weeks. And subscribe and rate our podcast as well. We would really appreciate it. And we love you all. All right, guys. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.